Today we discuss the economic impacts of COVID-19 and what this means for our future. This is the Matt and Jan Show. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Together, we will make America great again. This is the Matt and Jan Show. All right, welcome back. El Matador here to tame the beast of politics. Chandler, how are you doing, man? Matt, I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Great to be doing the podcast with you again this week. Um, Yeah, I'm just very excited to get into the show. It seems like we finally have turned a corner. Cases are starting to to decrease, or at least the rate of increase has decreased. And uh, yeah, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I just want to see us back in open, the economy back up and running, and just get back to normal. I know I was watching the NFL draft yesterday, and I was like, this is sad, because usually people are yelling and booing at Roger Goodell. We still had it, but it was virtual. It just wasn't the same. Roger Goodell, who takes $30 million a year to do his sal- for his salary for the NFL. I'm like, man, this guy's making so much money. He got to show off his little summer home that's like, pretty much a mansion i'm like but the thing is the people like they did a little thing beforehand it was like people going to stadiums again people going out and enjoying themselves like one giant football family and now it's like man i kind of miss that like we don't have that anymore so it's i'm just ready to get back to back to work and back to regular life yeah for sure and and i mean on that note it's kind of hard to say what's going to happen to the start of the nfl season you know, will will they be playing in empty stadiums? Will they be playing at all? Like, certainly, I hope so. You know, that's just a, a part of American life and American culture to uh, to watch football. So, um, we will we will see. Yeah, exactly. So I'm excited to see that we get back up and running. Sports are back. I know they've been getting us ready. I know they had the Jordan documentary last Sunday. I've yet to see it, so I'm excited to see it when I do. But I know it's like a six part documentary on Michael Jordan. Should be fantastic. I know it hasn't been a heavy Netflix week for me. I've been kind of low. I'm assuming it has been for you too with school getting into the, the finals rush. I know I got two more research papers to do, about 2,000 words apiece. So it's it's coming along. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. Uh, lots of assignments to do, you know, like right after the show or, or maybe like an hour or two after the show. Meeting up with the group. We're going to be finishing up a big project. Uh, you know, all the assignments are, are due either like, uh, you know, early next week or, or late next week. And yeah, it's a bit exciting, a bit of a, a rush to, to get everything done. But it's, I don't know, I, I can't say it's as enjoyable as it would be if we were still like on campus doing classes in person. Um, but there is something that I kind of like about the, the busyness of, of schoolwork that has sort of died down. Exactly. Like I know talked last week, it was like, man, I guess to have the time constraints and having to do it at a certain point, like we have the whole time in a day to pretty much get it done when you, when you have like, for me, I work during the day. So it's like at night, that's when I'm doing a lot of work. Like I was up till three in the morning last night, prepping for the show, doing homework, trying to knock stuff out. I know my mom walked in. Are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm all good. I'm three in the morning. I'm over here typing away, doing research to make sure this show is full of truth and facts. And I was just like, wow. So All right, Chandler, so before we hop right into it, I know last week we talked about the Google Home Speaker giveaway. 
If you go on iTunes, drop a review, one thing you like about the show, and maybe something you want to hear about on the show, all you got to do is go on iTunes, search the Matt and Chan show, and go in and drop a review, subscribe. Um, it helps build up the base. So I know Chandler, that's a big push. Any thoughts, Chan, on that before we get started? Um, yeah, that wraps up in two weeks, correct? Yeah. Uh, you said it was, it was three weeks from last week, uh, so uh, that will wrap up in two weeks from this week. Uh, just to keep in mind, you know, we're not trying to draw out, you know, simply to get your reviews for an indefinite period of time and like five years later be like, oh, here's finally a, a prize for one person. It's uh, uh, We're going to wrap this up in two weeks. And so, yeah, get those reviews in while you can. Um, iTunes, five-star review and, uh, and uh, or five stars and a review telling something you like about the show. Uh, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, how we covered the news or injections of humor or daily lives you know uh, let us know what you think exactly and then i just want a quick shout out to peter moon matt zapon over at politics now we got a website for conservative writers so that is up and running give them a shout out and just to go if you're interested in writing let me know i can get you in connections with those guys or find peter moon and matt zapon on twitter and they'll get you linked into politics now so let's get started we are topic one today effects on the economy as we've seen, the coronavirus has created very bad, disastrous effects to the economy, and this isn't good. We hit the $26 million mark this week, now losing all the jobs that we gained from 2008 and before 2008 on, so since the stock crash of 2008. So this is a lot of people out of work, and it's not good. So Chandler, what are your thoughts on this big, pretty much the effects that it's had on the economy? It's very bad. Yeah, it's not good at all, and uh, I think this is one of the things that, that the left is getting wrong, the mainstream media is getting wrong right now. When they talk about how, uh, you know, oh, we're going through all these measures to save lives, well, and, and then when you talk about the economy, um, you're a terrible person, uh, or that all these people just want to go out and get haircuts. That's not the case. There are people who never expected to... Um, to have to line up to get a, a handout of food um, in order to feed their families who are going to do that right now. And, and that's really tragic and, and should never happen. I was uh, listening to Matt Walsh yesterday and, and he said that, uh, you know, don't disassociate the economy from people's lives. Like by definition, the economy is how we, uh, we go through our lives. You know, it's where we choose to spend our money, how we spend our time. Um, and so, the fact that there's uh, so many people who are, are filing uh, for unemployment, and you know, that's probably only a fraction of the, the actual people who are unemployed. Uh, it's uh, it's really tragic, and it, it's time to uh, to make some smart changes. You know, Donald Trump put that effective freeze on people who um, were seeking a, a, a semi-permanent residence in the United States from. Uh, other countries, and I think that was a smart move because it will limit the amount of uh, of labor that that you know coming from international locations, and it will uh, you know increase the value of domestic labor when this all um, can when we can all go back to work. Um, and I think that was a very smart move because you know other economies are going to be hit hard by this as well. And America is still the greatest country in the nation, or the, the greatest country in the world, and. Yeah, I, I think uh, we will come back from this. You know, Donald Trump said uh, that, you know, 
he, he built up such a great economy, he can do it again. Uh, so, yeah, I'm fairly optimistic that this will get better, but at, at this point, it's, it's very bad. Exactly. And the fact that our unemployment is going to be hitting numbers 15 and 20 percent, where we are hitting low percentages, three and four percent of unemployment unseen before. And Trump comes in and and the amount of time that Trump did it is fantastic that he turned the economy around from the stagnant Obama years. And now it's like because those jobs are never supposed to come back. One percent growth. That was going to be the story of the United States. We were no longer a superpower like we had people on ships on their knees to the Iranians, and now we have a strong nation. I know at this time we have the country shut down. That is on us. But before everything started, Trump brought back, he built up the military, he's built up our economy, he's made us a global power to the threats of Saudi Arabia and to Russia. These countries are now looking at the United States as a threat, especially in energy. We'll get to that later in the show because. United States, when they're strong, these countries don't want to see it. So the left is not only fighting against America being the top dog, but also against these other countries in the world. So it is not, it's a bad thing when the when the world powers are like, man, United States, they're strong again. That's not good. Like, they want to be the strongest in the world. And we see that with China. We see it with Russia. These countries want to be the top dog. And so when you look at the economy and everything going on, it's like, man, we need to get back to work because Americans are getting a little stir crazy. They want to get back to work. And if we continue to stay closed, people are just their livelihoods. I know the suicide rate is going up. Depression is going up. Anxiety is going up. People are just, they just don't. We see it across the country. People are protesting because they are tired of being at home. This is not, I think at this point, it's like you can assess the risk. We know people are going to die. And it's something that we have to go through in life. I think there's so many things that we don't even talk about. Like people die from the flu and people die from this and die from cancer. And there's a certain amount of people accepting that this is going to happen. So it's looking at, Hey, we've assessed the risk. We've, we're making moves toward a vaccine and some other medicines and hydrochloroquine and some other things to combat this disease. And if we can get moving, then we can kind of start getting that immunity back. Cause I know California, I don't know. We talked about it three or four episodes ago about herd immunity, and we talked about because I had it in February. I've known multiple people that have gotten sick in the past few months that were before this whole thing got started, and I'm like, and they're like, yeah, fine now. They're healthy. I, I've been exposed at work for the last three to four weeks, and, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm not sick. I was talking to Kendall the other day, and she was like on Facebook, and she was like, yeah, I'm seeing – she's going into work, and she's seeing all these people and all, but nobody's getting sick, so it's interesting to see like – California, that there's probably some antibodies already built up. So Californians are seeing like there's not as much of a threat. Like we should be the epicenter because of how many people that travel into this country from China. And the fact that we're not just says a lot about the state. But the thing I'm scared about is, is Gavin Newsom, the amount of power that he's exhibiting. We're not even under martial law yet. And he's banned protests in Sacramento. So he's already taking away constitutional rights that we have as Americans. And if we continue to go down this path, it's, it's, not, it's not good. They just want the socialist dream. They want to have all the power at the top. And right now, they can exercise this power to the extreme that they need to to combat the coronavirus. As we've seen, this isn't about the coronavirus anymore. It's about power. The Democrats want power, and they will do anything in their power to do so. I don't know, Chan, did you see Vernon Jones this week? I, what is he from Georgia, representative from Georgia? And he pretty much was like, hey, I fully support Donald Trump. And the left is just like, 
man, he's he's not he's he's not like he's part of the Democratic Party. He's, he's not a good person. Like they're just attacking him. And he actually resigned this week, and then he rescinded his uh, resignation last night. So it's just like, man, I was like, wow, I was like, he's it's taken to a point, but he's like, I'm not gonna let the left push me back anymore. And it's just an example of what the Democrat Party does. They they do this to their own people. If you don't support them, you're off the ship. Like, that's it. Like, and it's just a lot of hate and it's, it's not good. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, it's, it's very hard to tell exactly what's going on in all these situations. There's a lot of, of uncertainty, you know, uh, you exhibited symptoms of having the coronavirus, but at this point it's, it's too difficult to get like antibody testing everywhere. So can't really determine that yet. Uh, I know we'll talk a little bit later about uh, some of the studies that have done antibody testing in localized areas and showing that there's a lot more incidents of, uh, of coronavirus that have uh, been in the United States than we have tested for. Um, but at the same time, a long ways from herd immunity. You know, something like uh, 3 to 5% of the population uh, in these areas having the coronavirus and you know, frankly, that's uh, that's still quite low, and uh, like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But it's there, there's so much uncertainty, and for uh, the uh, the left to be chasing more and more executive power is really frustrating. Uh, you know, Newsom banning those those protests in uh, in California or, or in Sacramento, at least. Uh, you know, that's it, it's not good that's a, a dangerous way of approaching this and yeah it's pretty frustrating yeah so speaking of frustrating we have aoc comes out and she tweets this tweet out and i was surprised to see it when it came out and it got deleted shortly so she comes out she's all you absolutely love to see it so this is what she tweeted and pretty much about the low interest rates it's the right time for work-led mass investment in green infrastructure and to save our planet and then she put cough I'm like, what? is she implying there that she uh, she has the virus? Yeah, I don't. Maybe I I'm assuming it's because the virus and our environment is just so bad here, and I'm just like, really? So we have a clip here that I have. It's our first audio clip. She doesn't want people to get back to work. She doesn't think that people want to work and people don't want to do anything. Like people just want to stay at home. They're okay being cooped up in their house, and I'm just I'm just surprised. Of all people, actually, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm actually, I'm. We at this point, we should almost expect this from AOC. I would think. Yeah, absolutely. So I got the first clip here, audio clip number one. Lot that we could be doing right now, but ultimately, the, I think when we talk about this idea of reopening society, you know, only in America. Does the president, when the president tweets about liberation, does he mean go back to work? When we, you know, have this discussion about going going back or reopening, I think a lot of people should just say no. We're not going back to that. We're not going back to working seventy hour weeks just so that we could put food on the table and not even feel any sort of semblance of security in our lives. Don't go back to work, Chan. You know, uh, Ben Shapiro suggested that we get together and um, we help AOC sue Boston College. And the idea being 
that she got a degree in economics there and and clearly she learned nothing about economics so uh you know i think she deserves her money back she has a worthless degree where she learned nothing um but that being said yeah you know the fact that she she's talking about uh, people being able to get paid for their labor as being a bad thing is it's certifiably insane and you know she, she was also talking about the um the oil prices, you know, oil prices uh, went negative. They're uh, they're paying people to take uh, to take oil, basically, and uh, you know she's talking about that being a good thing. Oh, it's a perfect time for uh, renewable energy and and stuff like that. No, it's a terrible time for that. There's a, a excess, a, a surplus of oil. Um, now's a great time to use that. And uh, you know, long term, sure, we're we're going to be looking for more. Uh, effective and clean ways of producing energy but um, for now we're going to use what we have efficiently and and uh, use that well especially when the the prices are at record lows so you know she uh, she clearly has an agenda she wants more government power and increases in government power over time and uh, she's using this crisis to uh, to push her agenda and, and that's frustrating yeah we just got some facts here and she talks about fossil fuels being on decline and that we need to go to renewable energy. And at a certain point in time, if renewable energy is cheaper than oil, and it's this is the thing about America, if we get innovative on certain things like this, and it's like, hey, this is working better, we're saving money, it's more efficient, then why not move toward it? So when you're looking at like the U.S. being energy independent, and this is a big thing because a lot of people go, okay, energy independent, okay, we're, we got all this oil, okay. But the thing is, the United States don't have to depend on the Middle East for oil. And it's hydraulic fracking, 2016. There's a new method of fracking that we can go horizontally under the ground. So when it hits a certain depth, they can go sideways now. So, And this is a big thing. Like, the United States doesn't have to depend on going and getting oil from Saudi Arabia and other countries in the Middle East. And it's like, wow, like, we can be solely independent. And this is a big national security thing. And I'm not saying... All the conflict in the Middle East has been over oil. I know there's some arguments that say, oh, it's only about the oil. That's what it was all about. That's all Americans care about. We're just capitalist pigs. No, that's not That's not what we're saying is, is but when you look at the national security, having not having to have people in these countries in the Middle East having to fight all the time over oil, we can actually produce here. And it's, the United States hasn't even reached even a certain amount of percentage. I don't know what the exact percentage is, but they have not even tapped in to the resources. So this thing that fossil fuels are fossil fuels are on decline is just I don't know, there's it's just it doesn't make sense to me. So the United States have just barely tapped into this and now we're energy independent thanks to Trump. And now the US even last year their CO2 emissions were down and we pulled out of the Paris climate accord. So it's like this was supposed to be a bad thing. But we were after the world was going to be over, pollution was going to be up. But the thing is, people don't realize is these companies that go in and then work in the United States that Trump brought back these manufacturers, they have to make sure that they're being innovative. And there are rules here. They have to follow rules on pollution. They have different policies and stuff that you can trade permits if you want to pollute certain on these these days of the year and different things. There's things that that we have in our environmental law that we can apply to this stuff. So it's not like we are just out here polluting like in India 
or Indonesia. We're not doing that. The United States is actually lower on the pollution chart than a lot of other countries like China and Russia and India. So it's, it's crazy to say that we need to go now. We need to make this drastic change. And I've talked to people. The Green New Deal is a very, very, very drastic measure to take for all this. We look at it, it costs $94 trillion, and it doesn't have actually more stuff in there for the environment. It's actually just a socialist package. Right, Chan? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is uh, just pushing socialist agenda. You know, it covers things like universal health care, uh, a universal basic income. Uh, it, it has a clause that people who are unable or unwilling to work, you know, that, that was obviously a, a big contention early on. You know, that, that's exactly what they want, though. And to use this time of a, a pandemic to push agenda like the Green New Deal it's absurd. It's ridiculous. And uh, I really hope that nothing like that ever takes place in the United States. We simply can't afford uh, that. You know, they might say, oh, we're going to tax the top 1%, the top 10%, the top 100%. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's, you have to get that money from somewhere. And $94 trillion is a ton of money. I don't think I can even conceptualize how much $94 trillion is. That's with a T, trillion. And Chandler, you saw with COVID-19 how much money we had to spend just to make sure that this, like we had enough for the next three months, $2 trillion. I couldn't imagine if we started adding more policies. That was just for the bare necessities. And there was still garbage thrown in. It's like, what? We're supposed to pay for this Green New Deal? This is like, the destruction of everything that the United States the United States stands for, and this is just like wow, this is crazy. Like the Green New Deal, they always talk about it's good for the environment. It's supposed to do this. We're being a hero for change, but then they look at how much stuff that has. It's a big economic package, is what it is with green on it. It's supposed to be like a New Deal FDR kind of style deal. That's where they actually the name derives from, and it's just like wow, it's just big government. That's all I see. Yeah, it, that's spot on. And, uh, you know, the, the United States is inherently a, a, a small government, localized government, uh, organi organized country. And uh, if we were to ever go to something like that, we would cease to be uh, what we are as a nation and what makes our nation great. Yep. And I just go back to the example. You go to the store, you have such a variety to choose from. If the government was in charge, you would not see that variety. Look at North Korea. They, their people are starving there. You want that type of government control? You want the government to control every aspect of your life? That's where the people that on the left are going toward. They want full and total control. If they can get your health care, your education, and all that under control, they pretty much got you. Like, these, there are teachers out there that are brainwashing kids to think, socialism is the great thing. It only works for people at the top. They're literally using talking points. We got to get back against big corporations. Even this last week, amidst the crisis, the way they politicize this issue, COVID-19, and the way that they want to push this agenda, Nancy Pelosi, Elizabeth Warren came out this week. These people do not want the best interest for Americans, and this is not good. These people need to be voted out of office, and we need to restore pretty much these American values that this country was based on. We cannot continue to have these politicians come into office and sit there for 30 years and complain that 
man, we need to add more big government because that's the solution. They're saying we need to bail out where that we're bailing out corporations by giving these people. This is the economy. These are people's jobs. These are people's livelihoods. There are families here in Fresno, California that are suffering because of it. We cannot continue to keep this country closed. And these people want to push this Green New Deal agenda in the stimulus package. It's absurd. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, it's very disingenuous and, uh, it, it just won't work. And, uh, I think that's what they, they fail to see is that it won't work or, or maybe they understand that it won't work and they have enough, uh, hatred for America in the West for that to, uh, to be their underlying agenda. I don't imagine that for many of them, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, when Donald Trump said that America will never be a socialist country, I, I completely agree. Exactly. So let's move on. I know we, we've been talking about the economics of it. I want to close up on some quick segment about pretty much Saudi Arabia and Russia and these OPEC countries. So prices are so low right now, which means Saudi Arabia isn't making money. So what they're doing now is that these countries, the U.S. is going to have some price shocks when this whole thing is over. So I think that Trump needs to put tariffs on Saudi Arabian and Russian oil because this is not good for mainly the prices. And the thing is, we don't need their oil. So they're dumping 600 million of barrels of oil into our country, and we don't even need it right now. And they're trying to do it for here and Canada, all these countries. And because the, the, what is it, barrel is what, $5 or whatever. They just want that to dump it in and then pretty much overwhelm us. And then when the prices go up, Saudi Arabia is going to be up top, Russia. And this is what I was saying earlier. These countries want to see the U.S. fail. That's why they loved President Barack Obama, because they he, let, he bowed down to these countries. He let them run pretty much whatever the decision-making was. Obama wanted to be pretty much step back. He didn't want to be like making these aggressive moves, but that's why people voted for Donald Trump. People voted for Donald Trump because they wanted a fighter, and that's what they got. And the fact that these countries like Russia and Saudi Arabia, the fact that they're coming over here trying to screw over Americans, try to screw over pretty much our economy, dumping all this oil in here, they're just trying to flood the market, and pretty much it's going to be so saturated here, we don't need the oil, we don't have the space for the oil. And then you have China over here taking full advantage of it, which I think this is suspicious. So they send some importer like tankers over to Saudi Arabia to get oil. So China's like, sweet, cheap oil, I'm loading up. It just helps their industry. It doesn't help their pollution, but it helps their industry. They're going to make tons of money. They're getting it on the low right now. And they're going to probably make some more moves so that they can pass the United States and be the next global power is what their goal is. The fact that they had 84 takers, tankers ready to go is like, I don't know, suspicious like at, at at least with all this stuff going on. So it's we have COVID-19 and they're like, yeah, China China didn't know and China China didn't do this and I'm like, I mean China knew. China knew what they were doing, but they didn't say anything and the World Health Organization covering this whole thing up. It is it is a disgrace about the World Health Organization and what China has done to the world in this whole situation. This is just pretty much a big middle finger to the United States, Canada, Mexico, all these countries that are suffering from the coronavirus right now. This is this is unacceptable. Yeah, you know, the, the Chinese government is, is uh, corrupt, like we've been saying, and dirty. And, you know, speaking of dirty, maybe your pool is dirty right now. Uh, Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, this episode's sponsor? 
So if your pool's green right now and it looks like the Loch Ness Monster is about to jump out, Fancher Creek Pool Services can do the job for you. With competitive pricing and great service, Fancher Creek can get the job done. They are flipping pools crazy right now. Summer's almost here. You just want to sit by the pool and see the crystal blue water and not see the Loch Ness Monster. Who wants to see a Loch Ness Monster? You got frogs and other animals living in your pool. They can get that for you. I know we just, it, these winter months, you don't use it, so it just turns green. Don't let the Loch Ness Monster hang out in your pool. Call Fancher Creek Pool Services today at 559-601-6082. 559-601-6082. Thank you for being a sponsor, and thank you for supporting the show, Fancher Creek Pool Services. All right, Chandler, let's move into it. All right, um, next topic we got. We got a, some coronavirus updates we could talk about here. So Stanford comes out with a study. You've seen it. I don't know if you want to talk about the Stanford study at all. Um, yeah, I could talk briefly about it. So basically, um, at Stanford, they recruited some local uh, population, about uh, 3,300 people in the Santa Clara region. So that's um, r near, uh, near Stanford University, for those who don't know, uh, kind of just south of San Jose or, or just uh, north of San Jose, um, right there in the Bay Area. Uh, and so they were testing for antibodies for the coronavirus. Uh, and what they found was that the, uh, the, in, the number of uh, coronavirus cases was much higher than uh, what testing has shown. And this is what everybody has uh, expected. Uh, but they found that it was 50 to 85 times uh, a greater, uh, greater um, number of cases, which that brings the death rate down to something like uh, 0.12 to 0.2 percent, which is much more in line with the flu. It still um, would be higher than the flu, very likely, but not much. Uh, you know, it, it's all about that denominator when you're talking about death rate. So if you have, um, you know, X number of, uh, of deaths related to the coronavirus and Y number of uh, cases, if you increase that denominator, the, the death percentage is going to go down. And uh, that makes it much less scary, in my opinion. Uh, it makes it look like the steps that we've taken to mitigate this have either worked or weren't necessary. Uh, it, and that's really hard to say at this moment. And, and I don't think anybody can really make that call until several years down the line. But um, I think it, it shows that it's time to get back to work, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be out there. I think that's one thing we've kind of been hoping for this, like, magical cure to come, uh, you know, a vaccine or for us to gain immunity or, you know, gain herd immunity, which that, uh, even though it's much higher than what was expected, like I said earlier, I don't think herd immunity is going to be uh, present. You know, I, I made a note on, uh, on that story that uh, now as a result of the social distancing, the chances of gaining herd immunity have dropped pretty precipitously. And if we were to gain immunity, it would have to be either by going back to work or through a vaccine at this point. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just another way that when the government tries to take control of all these things, it rarely is successful. But uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on the Stanford study and, and similar ones that have found similar, uh, similar findings? So this is what we talked about from the time that this whole thing started is looking at the percentages and the fact that the death rate that they came out and they were like 
200 million people, they're going to die. Like, it's like the numbers were crazy. Like the studies and the models, we were running our country off models for like two weeks there. You haven't heard anything about the models as of late. Now we, we're now we're talking about open the economy up. And I'm happy that Mike Pence has come out with this task force and they've dropped a plan with President Trump to get this country back up and running again. In the fact that the Stanford study just shows that this thing might have been blown out of proportion a little bit now that people are at home and they're like, hey, like you said, I totally agree with what you said about herd immunity. Either we need a vaccine or we need herd immunity. And that is going to either taking people back to work or is that going to be through a vaccine? So it's just looking at this whole situation and just, hey, like the numbers, the numbers are showing us, hey, it's going to be okay to go back to work. Like, but I think it's not that we're going to pressure anybody or any individual to go back to work because we don't want to put people in harm's way. But if people are ready to go back to work, I think people should be allowed to go back to work. And I think we need to start opening our small businesses again so that we can get, get this country up and running. The backbone of America, our workers, they, they need to get back into work. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, if you're young and healthy, uh, you know, under, say, 35, and you don't have any underlying conditions, the likelihood that you'll exhibit uh, severe symptoms is very low, and the likelihood that you'll die is next to nothing. Um, and I, I think that shows, like, sure, older population, people with underlying health conditions um, who this virus could really devastate, need to be cautious, and we need to, uh, to do what we can to protect them. But beyond that, I think healthy people need to go to work and um, to start, yeah, bringing up yeah, our small businesses, just our general economy. You know, people need to feel comfortable going out to restaurants, even if it looks different than it did before for a while. Uh, you know, going to, uh, you know, department stores and restaurants and uh, your small businesses, I, I think is uh, it, it needs to happen sooner than later. A hundred percent. And the fact that I think it's interesting is even the people that my dad has to work with in the interactions with the customers, like a lot of these older folk that they're, they're going out and they're like, hey, we need to protect. It's interesting to see that a lot of these people don't actually practice a lot of the social measures. Like, I'm still going out. And there's people out there that are 60, 70, still running around. Even my grandparents, they still want to go shopping for themselves. They, they are fully independent. But it just goes to look back at that generation. The fact that they went through World War II and all these different wars that happened. And the fact that they went through the SARS outbreak, the Ebola outbreak, the H1N1 outbreak, and now the coronavirus. And then them being a susceptible uh, part of the population to the coronavirus, the fact that there are people still out there, hey, people want to get back to it. People have survived a lot worse than the coronavirus, and this is, I guess, our war uh, war on the invisible enemy. Like we, we haven't like besides the modern Middle like Eastern conflict that we've had. This is kind of like our thing. Hey, we're, we're going to push through. We're Americans. We are strong, and we are going to get through this whole thing. So I just think the fact that the numbers are coming out. Hey, I think. That's this is a time that we need to get back to work and open the economy. If we need to start opening states next week, let's start opening people up. These let's get these small businesses up and running. Like there's these big, big like supermarkets and stuff. If they can practice social distancing at supermarkets, why can't we practice social distancing at like you said, department stores, movie theaters? Like there are ways we can go forth doing this, and we just need to get the the economy back up and running again. So I know it's kind of a redundant statement at this point, but it's like. Let's get into phase one. Let's start taking the necessary measures and let's get this thing ready to go. 
So let's move in. I know we have talked about this. And so just one last note is the hydrochloroquine. A lot of the mainstream media was reporting about it, that it was a deadly drug. And now they're coming out and they're saying that that study wasn't actually a study and that it was all, as like Donald Trump likes to say, fake news. So it's, it's crazy that the mainstream media just took any kind of bait. They said, oh, this drug, this is a bad thing. Donald Trump's promoting a drug. This is going to kill people. This is not good. How can Trump do this? I have an audio clip from the Laura Ingram show on Fox News. And she put actually a little montage together about the the news networks and the amount of people that came out and were like, no, no, this is gonna this is gonna be a bad thing. So here is audio clip number two. I just think it's interesting to say they heard drug and they're like, oh no, Donald Trump, evil, bad man, orange man, bad. So I'm gonna play that audio clip number two. Not only is there no medical benefit, Elizabeth, this study shows higher death rates among patients who took it. Yes, much higher death rates. They could actually be harming patients who take it. Medical professionals have repeatedly urged caution, but the president and his allies at Fox News aren't known for patients or for caution. They're misleading their viewers. Why would we ever think a Fox News star or any president should be promoting a drug? It's outlandish. People were dying, and this the fact that this drug had some benefits and saw people surviving, and the mainstream media the fake news network, the Democrat activists come out and they're saying, this is no good. This is all bad. Like, tr- how is Trump doing this? It's like he's trying to help save lives and he puts America first. Chandler, what are your thoughts on this whole hydrochloroquine? Like the fact that this has been pretty much like in the mainstream media seen as a bad thing. Yeah, you know, I got to lead with like, I, I'm not that well informed when it comes to the hydrochloroquine. I know Donald Trump said that this may be a potential cure or, you know, or, or potential benefit to those who um, are uh, infected with the coronavirus. And I, I also know this, that the, uh, the left-wing media is going to take anything that Donald Trump says and find the worst things about it. Um, and so I'm not surprised that, that uh, you know, that they were pushing this narrative. That being said, you know, it's really hard to say at this point, there's no conclusive evidence that anything is uh, extremely beneficial, um, including the hydrochloroquine. Uh, you were talking to me earlier that it's often patients who are already have a, a low likelihood of surviving who are finally prescribed hydrochloroquine. And, uh, you know, that definitely throws off the numbers in terms of, yeah, this person had a, a 95% chance of dying at this stage and they took this drug and they died, it must be the drug. Like, clearly, that's bad science if that's the case. But uh, like I said, I haven't been following that a ton, so uh, it, all of my uh, input on that is, is merely opinion. So what are your takes on it? I'm curious. It's just the fact that this comes out, this is a new, uh, or this drug's been around for so long, and the fact that the mainstream media, the way that they've been able to manipulate the news and the fact that Trump, he has to go to battle every day in that, in that task, uh, the task force, the, the press briefing that they have to go to war every time. Like Trump, I don't know. Trump probably says fake news probably 10 times a day when he's in there. And the media is just like, Oh man, Trump, we need more tests or Trump. We need this. We need that. And they're just going at him. They are just trying to do anything to take down the president 
And Trump just gets up there and he's like, okay, I can answer that. I can answer that. That's not a good question. He's just up there and it's just like the way that he runs the media. It's just, I haven't seen it before. Any president, like he just tells you as it is, like whatever Trump is, he's going to have, like, it's going to be at face value. Whatever Trump says, it's going to be the truth. And there's no, there's no, like he, I, he said it before. There's no, like, it doesn't benefit him to lie. Like what benefit does it bring to lie? Cause the mainstream media is going to eat it up. Like, if, you, if Trump goes and says, man, it's probably not a good idea to put a plastic bag over your head, the left would be like, no, actually, there's a lot of benefits to putting a plastic bag on your head. That is what, like, this is like the way the media works. We said it last week. You flip a coin. That's the media. Trump head? Oh, no, we're tails. No, that's tails. No, that's a tails right there. No, that is the media. And the fact that they spun the hydrochloroquine story, like it was the worst thing in the world to happen to man ever, is pretty much the Trump presidency summed up. And I see it with the people that we go to school with, the people that we see and interact on Twitter. People are just orange man bad that that's the only like there's the rebuttal. There's no argument. There's no policy. Like if they were up there and the media was really nice and they were really trying to genuinely care about the American people, they'd be up there asking about questions of like, hey, when are we going to open the economy back up? Can we get small businesses more aid? They're not talking about this. They're talking about, well, Trump, you haven't tested a lot of the population. Trump, you haven't done this. Trump, you haven't done this. And it's like. What else can you do? Like, we, we've done all these tests. The fact that we only tested 80,000 people the first week of the first few weeks of the coronavirus, and the fact that we've tested 5 million people just shows the strength of the American people to come out and to get this testing done. And this is a full movement. And Trump says it best. He's like, it's not about me. It's about the people. This is like a true statement. And he's done this his whole presidency. So the fact that the mainstream media has come out and they've done all this stuff about Trump that Trump's bad. Like, you watch CNN, you watch CNN, 99.5% of it is bad. Like, and the, the 0.5% that I have there is the weather. Like, everything on there is going to be negative news. And if you watch the news, you're going to be doomsayer. You're going to be saying, oh, man, the end of the world's coming. Like, if I sat down and watched CNN longer than an hour, like, besides doing my research and stuff, I'd probably lose my mind because... Oh man, this this is never going to end. We're going to be in lockdown till July of 2024. Like like when does it end? Like when does the mass hysteria end? So, I just it's just mind-boggling. We can go on and on about the mainstream media and the fact that they just come out and they straight up lie to the American people. It's crazy. Yeah, no, that's really well said. All right, are you uh, ready to are, are you ready to move go, go in? Oh, are you ready to the move into this next thing, you lying dog-faced pony soldier? <laughs> that, that I am you know uh, 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 let me get the quote just right so I don't uh, mess it up uh, poor kids can be just as smart as white kids that's uh, my favorite Joe Biden quote uh, <laughs> oh man that man he he is interesting I tell you he's he's got the quotes for sure it always surprises me like what he says like i don't know what the process is but i know i feel bad for him i don't think the democrats should be putting him on a platform like this the fact that the left knows that he's going through some kind of like dementia and the fact that they've allowed him to be a presidential candidate and he's struggling like the fact that they see oh wow this is a chance for us to use joe biden he's the moderate candidate he's not very radical that he's not going to do all this stuff and it's like wow he's just Again, the token piece that they need to have a candidate to run, there's nobody else that's running. Nobody wants to. Like, Trump's been so dominant, 
And the fact that Trump, that Biden's been leading in the polls, it just surprises me. Like we saw in 2016, Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton was supposed to be president. So it just goes to show you what the mainstream media continues to do. And they haven't learned their lesson. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm very surprised uh, as well, but yeah, you know, we've got another great, Sleepy Joe Biden uh, quote from this week, and, and this is recent. Yeah, we got a clip from Al Gore. So he comes out and he's having a conversation on Earth Day, just Wednesday of this week. And Al Gore, he comes in and he's just like, yeah, they're talking about different things like climate change. And this is the Al Gore that said the world was going to end in 2006. And he was like, yeah, we have 10 years to change the planet. And then we're still here. So that didn't happen. And there's a lot of things like Polar bears going extinct now that they're highest population. All these things that Al Gore came out and said. And Joe Biden and him were having a conversation. And this is our audio clip. This is audio clip number three. And he comes out and he's having this conversation. And this is another Joe Biden gaffe. He comes out and he's having this conversation. And he asks, he asks Al Gore a question. Listen to the question here. What's happening? We're not organizing. And we don't organize the world. Who organizes it? Who organizes it? And so there's so much, I think, I, uh, anyway... Look, I, I, one, one, one more question here. Is it too late to address the climate change in a meaningful way? You can aggress climate change. Not address, aggress, because we need to aggress climate change. Right, Chandler? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, like you said earlier, I kind of feel bad for Joe Biden at this point. I definitely feel bad for the Democrats. Not not that bad because I, I hope uh, Donald Trump wins in 2020. But um, yeah, very sorry candidate for uh, for president if he uh, does get their uh, nomination. It's like you couldn't find anybody else, and the fact that he's leading in the polls, polls, sorry, and uh, that this is what's going on, and then the fact that. Again, he has a sexual allegation against him, like from sexual assault. And it's just interesting that Tara Reid has come out and he said that Joe Biden pretty much was like smelling her hair and came up behind her and stuff that we've seen for years now. It's like a meme now of Joe Biden going up behind young girls, older women. It's just kind of odd. He kind of comes up behind him. He smells hair. And the fact that this is something you don't even hear about in the media, the fact that he has all these people coming out against him. The fact that they're like, hey, yeah, uh, and it's the timing of it. This is where we saw with Brett Kavanaugh, where all these people coming from. And the fact that everybody, and this is something in the Constitution, due process. Everybody has to go through due process. And we're not going to say Joe Biden did it or Joe Biden didn't do it. We're not the mainstream media that came out of Brett Kavanaugh and the whole thing that happened with Christine Balzi Ford. We're not the mainstream media. We can't be like, yeah, Joe Biden's guilty. No. He has to do process until proven, proven guilty. And the fact that the mainstream media won't even touch it. They're, this is another example of the mainstream media's corruption and their full support of the Democratic Party. They will do anything to cover anything up. And this is scary. This is, this is ultimately scary because Joe Biden, that means that he could have murdered somebody and the mainstream media would cover it up. So it's just like, it's the fact that this is happening and Joe Biden... Is still leading in the polls, like in the power states. They have Biden winning in a lot of these states that Trump won in 2016 against Hillary Clinton and a lot of these battleground states. 
And it's interesting, Chan, do you think like the polls are are going to be accurate? It's hard to say because with Hillary Clinton, they were like, oh, Hillary's going to win by a landslide. And then it was a complete opposite. So the fact that the Biden holds a 49 to 43 advantage in these power, these power states per se, that is kind of, kind of crazy to me that he can't even get out on the campaign trail and say full sentences. And he's supposed to be the next leader of the free world. Yeah. You know, the polls are notoriously inaccurate and uh, we really learned that in 2016, like you were alluding to. And yeah, I, I don't trust the polls. I think if Biden wins the nomination, which it's very likely that he will at this point, he doesn't stand a chance against Trump unless Trump throws it away by doing or saying something extremely stupid right at the wrong time. Uh, you know, as long as the news isn't about Trump in the lead up to the election, he'll win. If the news is about Trump and, and it's uh, portraying him negatively, that's going to hurt his chances. But I think he'll still win. Um, it, it would take a lot for, uh, for Biden to beat Trump in 2020. I'm not saying it's impossible. We learned in 2016 that nothing's impossible when it comes to presidential elections. Um, that being said, uh, I, I don't think Biden has a chance. Exactly. So, and we're looking at these these states, these battleground states such as Arizona, Colorado, Florida, Maine, Michigan, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, states that Hillary Clinton and Trump they were by a percentage point or little less than that. And the fact that Trump's going to have to pull these states out again, I think he will. It just depends on this crisis and when this whole thing's over. The faster we get back to work, the faster the economy will be up and running again. The fact that Donald Trump did what he did in the three years, three and a half years the great economy and the success that he had as president is just like proving like, this is who I want in office to do the best work. Like I know he's going to go in, he's going to make sure the economy gets back to where it was at. It's going to be some time. We close the economy down pretty much completely, except for like they said, the essential workers. And it's just Trump is proven that he can come in and add jobs. Like the fact that if we didn't have those jobs, we'd be even worse off than where we're at right now. So my prediction is in November that Trump, there'll be some tight races in some states because some states are already blue or at least always are blue. And I think Trump's going to flip some. And I think Trump's going to win this election a little bit more handily than these polls are coming out. So I know Joe Biden, that's my prediction. Chandler, do you think Trump still wins in November or at least has a good shot of doing so? At, at this point, Absolutely, yes. If I were man, which I'm not, but I would put a lot of money on Trump winning in 2020. Yep. I just want to make sure we have it on the books. So later in the year, like, hey, like even in the coronavirus, even in the dark times, if Trump does win, full support here from the Matt and Chan show because he knows that he's going to put the American people first. And that is nothing that we've seen under Obama. And this is nothing that we'll see under Joe Biden. So we're out of time today. But before we go, we want to discuss. One last fun story I think is interesting. And so California this week in L.A. decided to fill the skate parks with sand. Chandler, you want to tell a little bit about what's happened and how that's backfired on California? Yeah, so, so this is quite a funny story. You know, um, in, in order to keep the kids out of the skate parks, because obviously that's uh, the most vulnerable population. Uh, they uh, decided to fill like a layer of sand at the bottom of the skate park, 
Well, you know, being the the rebellious and uh, uh, adventurous uh, people that they are, um, the skaters didn't show up, but the dirt bikers sure did. So people brought out their dirt bikes. They started uh, to ride and jump in the uh, the skate park that was filled with sand at the bottom, but the jumps were still exposed. Uh, you know, you can find this story just about anywhere. Uh, seeing pictures is definitely uh, uh, worth a lot more than us talking about it. But I find it really funny. You know, uh, I'm a big fan of Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. And one of his rules in his book, 12 Rules for Life, is don't bother, kill, don't bother children while they're skateboarding. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, a great example of that. So um, I know we got to wrap things up. Uh, don't forget that we have merchandise. Matt, you want to briefly talk about what's available if people want to get to merchandise? We got this merchandise right here, the Matt and Chan Show. We had tons of orders the first time around. So if you want to order some shirts, come out, support the show. And we got different colors. We got black here. We got a good navy blue if you like a darker navy blue. And then we got this navy blue one right here. And we have all the sizes you need and every color that you can think of. Actually, we have a little bit of limit on the colors, but it's typical colors. We got blue, we got red, we got black, we got pink, we got white. Like, just general colors. We got all of it. And so all you can do is help us support the show. They're $15 if you want to support the show. It's a great cause. We're out here getting our message out. And it's just... This is, a, this is an awesome thing we're doing. So the fact that you can come out and support the show by buying a shirt helps support. And then we have this beautiful Google Home. I know I didn't show it last week, but here's the Google Home. Here I'm handing it to you on the YouTube audience out there. So that is up for grabs. We're going to be doing a drawing. All you have to do is go to iTunes, drop a five-star review. Don't even have to have an iTunes or Apple account. You can go in there. Or actually, you need to have an Apple account. But you can go online, Google, iTunes, look us up. Sign up for an account if you don't already have one. Most people have iPhones. But then you go in and you drop a review. One thing you like about the show, drop the five stars and help us go up in the ratings because this is how we keep the show going. So all that support out there, we wouldn't do it if we didn't have it. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Matt and Chan Show. Um, you know, uh, we really appreciate uh, the audience listening, uh, sharing this with your friends. Uh, letting us know what you think you know uh, you can always reach out to us at uh, our email mattandchan at gmail.com and uh, yeah we're, we're available on uh, various social media accounts uh, at Matt and Chan Show or the Matt and Chan Show and uh, yeah we look forward to hearing from all of you so everybody I want to leave you with this message So to stay hopeful to stay determined and to be safe God bless everybody Until next time, this is The Man Chan Show.